this is Tom from tdjacobs.com, and I have a, a karmic profile to uh, offer you today. Around the first of the year, or 2016, I think, um, a client of mine asked me uh, via Facebook what kind of, you know, karmic journey would be behind, like what would be the soul's intention behind uh, the subject of the documentary on Netflix called Making a Murderer. Her name, his name is Stephen Avery. I'll just give you his birth date right now in case you want to follow along. Uh, July 9th, 1962, time unknown, and um, Wikipedia says Manitowoc County, uh, that's M-A-N-I-T-O-W-O-C. There is a town in that county uh, called that, so I just use that because it doesn't really matter without a time. So we have this chart, and um, I started watching the documentary yesterday. It's a 10-part documentary, and I thought, well, yeah, I'll watch the whole thing. I um, I don't need to, to end up watching the whole thing to explain to you what the um, what the soul was about. So I think I'm in episode four, maybe, maybe five. Uh, so I've watched, you know, a portion of it, a third, uh, four-tenths of it, something. And I think that, no, I feel strongly that it, calls up a question or a topic that is super important. So instead of just giving you three minutes on the dude's karmic story, I want to really explain some things in detail, and it'll help you in your astrological thinking. Uh, it'll also help you in your understanding about what soul is and does and how incarnating in a family with certain themes can play out, how it, how it happens. And... Um, yeah, so it just seemed like when I was looking at his chart when I was watching the uh, the first few hours of the documentary, I just saw a bigger picture, so I wanted to, wanted to spell it out. So the first thing to say is that soul is a portion of divine consciousness. It's a part of all that is, goddess and God. I use these, these uh, terms interchangeably often, talking about soul. It comes here... Like, yours comes here as you, mine comes here as me, Stephen Avery's comes here as him, to learn through making choices how to make better choices. So essentially, every human is, in a way, a data collection device for goddess and god, divine intelligence, god consciousness, to learn about what it means to be human. And so every single human is on the same exact journey, which is learning to make choices learning to make better choices through making choices, learning to become the source of love for the self. And, and all of our lives boil down to this struggle to try to figure out what love is, where it comes from, and who's responsible for giving it to whom. And I say love, we're talking about safety, security, validation, support, as well as affection and, and, and uh, heart-centered love. So we want to look at every person as a part of the divine collective. So no matter what happens, our, so to speak, our charge, if we're going to do soul-centered, heart-centered, Aquarian Age kind of astrology, which is what I'm about, what I teach, we need to have compassion for where people are coming from. And that's why I teach this, this style of karmic analysis. The first three books in the Soul's Journey series are currently available. The Soul's Journey 1 outlines the these topics. The subtitle is 
astrology, reincarnation, and karma with a medium and channel. And it reflects how I do evolutionary or soul-centered astrology, karmic multi-life astrology, multi-dimensional astrology, in ways that have been shaped by channeling an ascended master in different faces. It's Jehudi, Thoth, St. Germain, Merlin, as well as working with the spirits of dead people as a psychic medium. What religions and then astrologers say about soul is not the full story. And so I went directly to some sources, <laughs> some uh, some otherworldly sources or off, you know, out, outer dimensional sources because um, time is only a construct within our consciousness if we believe we're tied to our bodies. So to think about past lives is inaccurate. We need to think about the soul's other lives, the soul's many lives, and how this life of yours is one life of many, attempting to work out through better and better choices and becoming the source of love, the themes that are in your chart. The themes. So the Soul's Journey 1 really goes into this and laying it all out. The Soul's Journey 2, Emotional Archaeology, takes all those uh, concepts and teaches them to a small group of people, seven people in a workshop, and brings it to life with their stories, helping them dig through the layers of their own emotional archaeology and heal things. And then the third volume, a case study, is um, 19 of my own other soul's lives, using my chart to understand the thematic landscape of my multi-life journey, using my chart to look at 19, and I approach it emotionally. I'm thinking, I'm feeling, I believe, I have a prejudice, I have a fear, and I go into those things, and anybody can do this with some intention and groundedness and training. Anyway, the third, Soul's Journey 3, a case study, goes into that. So, so, so a lot of what you're going to hear in this MP3 is explained in more detail between those three volumes. I, I highly recommend reading them. Definitely start with the first one, which is why it has the one in the title, why it was the first one written. So looking at Stephen Avery again, July 9th, 1962... Uh, don't use a birth time. Don't pick 6 or 12 or whatever. Get Make a chart that has no houses in it. It makes it less confusing. And uh, Manitowoc, Wisconsin. is listed as Manitowoc County, but that's a town within Manitowoc County. So the south node of the moon, as uh, the Soul's Journey trilogy explains, the south node of the moon reflects the kind of environments we're born into in many lives. The kinds of families that our souls pick for us, kinds of karmic incubators in the form of family that our souls that our souls pick for us. It's not the same exact family every life, but there are similar themes in play. And they can be happy parts of the range or sad parts of the range, you know, empowered or disempowered, but there's a theme going on. South node for Stephen Avery is in Aquarius, and, um, you know, there's something different or disconnected or traumatized, but there's something different and unique about about this family. South node ruler, Saturn, I use traditional rulers, talking about the nodes. So if it's a Scorpio south node, I'd look for Mars. If it's a Pisces south node, I'd look for Jupiter. Um, it's the only traditional thing that I do. It's For some reason, it is the only thing that works here. Um, I used to be flexible and go back and forth, and now I just do the traditional ruler. That tells me about his role in many lives, and it is right on the south node and retrograde. It's um, about a half a degree away, 31 minutes of arc away. 
So he's got a very strong Saturnian signature as this, this Aquarius south node and Saturn right on it. Well, what that means is that the family he's born into in many lives, or the families, are going to have something heavy that they're carrying, or there's going to be hardship, or a, a strong work ethic, or poverty, or feeling suppressed, or stepped on, or, or uh, pressured to do something. Think about the energy of Saturn. Saturn, in this family's case, saturates the many lives. It's his karma, but it's also in play in his family system if it's conjunct the south node. And the south node ruler is retrograde, so he's trying to figure out something. He's done something Aquarius or, or, or Uranus-related in the past that doesn't work. And so he's trying to figure it out there, too. What's the right thing to do? Square the nodes are two things that are critical to the story. The first one is uh, Persephone in Taurus, the asteroid Persephone, number 399. And um, Persephone is about the need to mature. It's in Taurus, which is about one's value system and what one finds important. So this is something that's in, in play in his karmic story, as well as the, 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 the environment that his family, this collection of souls, creates. What values will I choose? What is important to me? Persephone within a person will tend to be perpetually 13 years old, smart enough to know that one is kind of young, sometimes a little ambitious and precocious, uh, but definitely seen by others as not ready to take anything on. You know, uh, sometimes people with a strong Persephone signature find that others tell them what they should be thinking or what they do think. And the person can say, I'm sitting right here. There's this thing about needing to stand up to authority figures through self-respect. Think about Persephone and uh, Demeter, or uh, Ceres, as we talk about in the chart. Persephone and uh, Ceres are names from different traditions, of course, Roman and Greek, um, or Greek and Roman, uh, respectively. But um, the kid has to grow up at some point. The kid has to grow up at some point. The 13-year-old girl cannot be sheltered by her fear-mongering mother forever. It's kind of like, I can't let anything happen to you. As soon as you decide that, something's going to happen. And of course, Persephone was abducted by Hades, or as we know him, Pluto, to be made his queen, the queen of the underworld. So anyway, something good actually happens when she grows up, but we, we, we fear you know, being swept away. We fear being abducted. And Persephone and Taurus is especially going to fear change, not want to grow up. Uh, Persephone and Taurus square the nodes. The other square of the nodes is retrograde Neptune in Scorpio. And this tells a, a great deal of the karmic story about this guy's situation. I, I, I referenced the documentary, but I didn't even say what it was. Um, this dude, Stephen Avery, was, um, so forgive my um, Neptunian out-of-orderness, Stephen Avery was um, accused and then convicted of raping a woman that he didn't rape. A woman he didn't rape. He went to prison for 18 years and then was exonerated on DNA evidence, and they actually identified who the person was and found some incompetence and, and sloppy procedures in the police and the department and the prosecution. Uh, meaning it would have not been out of the 
question to actually realize who had done it, but there were certain things that were overlooked. So he's exonerated, and he's in the middle of a court case to receive compensation as damages for 18 years in prison, etc., falsely accused. And he's trying to kind of rebuild his life a little bit. And then he... um. Uh, is implicated, and then it looks very much like he did uh, commit a murder, and he ends up going back to prison for a life sentence, and this case to compensate him is dropped. And so that's kind of where I am in the documentary. But the idea of this false imprisonment and then actually doing something or you know, doing something that would put you back, you know, put you back in prison, actually doing a crime later after you've wasted 18 of your years of your life in jail. So Neptune is about surrender to what's true. It's about finding out what you can and can't do as an ego. So Neptune stories, and if you've been following my work for any length of time, you know that I have a special place in my heart for the Neptunian process of learning how to let go of control and release, you know, into a, a state of surrender so you can connect to what's true beyond what your mind would like to be true. So Neptune is where we need to connect to something bigger than ourselves. We need to find truth. For some people, this is through spiritual discipline. For some, it's through escapist behaviors or attempts to alter consciousness with substances or the attempt to deny consciousness or to remain unconscious about something so that you don't have to be aware of difficulty or something like this. So a lot of escapist tendencies with Neptune. Um, and not all escapism is bad and not all is good. Um, you know, let's say I'm addicted to my meditation class. Well, I can't, you know, I can't function if I don't go. Well, that's not healthy. So the point, so so we have these moments when we feel connected, and this is the core of the Neptunian path. Uh, the connection with the numinous, some direct contact with spirit, something like that, and then we find we're not connected to that all the time, and we can get very upset about that. Come back to our mind and our three D, you know, real world material circumstances, responsibilities, obligations, challenges. And um, we need to learn to bring Neptune, to bring that sense of clarity into our daily lives. And it's a challenge because we're trying to figure out how to configure ego in order to remain connected but still have ego. And this is hard. This is hard. It's coming from somebody who has 12th house Pluto but 1st house Mars Uranus. It is uh, his second house sun. It, it is it is hard to figure out how to contextualize ego and desire in terms of these bigger things, Neptunian twelfth house things that are that are happening. So there is no destiny, but there are certain ways that things unfold because of vibrational resonance. And this is a Neptunian teaching to learn to interact with the world and others and circumstance that recognizes that things are happening the way they need to. There's no destiny, but there is a plan for how you can unfold in a more loving, more conscious, more intentional, more connected way. That said, Neptune square the nodes. Any square to the nodes in a person's chart says, I'm trying to figure this out. Maybe I know four or five out of the seven, eight, or ten things that one would need to know. 
So I might rely on my habits about what I know about this and not really have success. So what do I surrender to? What is true? What's truth? Where am I going to find a sense of connection to the divine and happiness and safety and security knowing, you know, being in a body here? We have, humans have a sense of separateness because we are tied, our consciousness is tied to a body that exists within the 3D time-space dimension and we age and we die. Now our spirits don't, our consciousnesses don't. And anybody Neptunian knows that uh, consciousness exists across time. So Stephen Avery has this thing, what do I surrender to? What can I let be true? And it's in Scorpio, which says there's a power dynamic here. His Neptune works through this lens of trying to seek, retain, or defend against power. These are human constructions of what power is, but there's this element here that for him to truly surrender, he would have to muster a shit ton of courage and get over feeling powerless when he feels vulnerable. And the Neptune retrograde says, I need to figure this out in a new way. I've done it, or I've done it under certain circumstances that aren't authentic, or I've done what other people think is the right way to do it, so I don't know what to do. Now, all of that to say that there's a thing about being trapped, confined, unfairly accused, uh, lack of fairness, the injustice, power over power under problems that comes with a square to the nodes in Scorpio. Basically, any planet, square the nodes <laughs> in Scorpio may have or may indicate a person has a karmic journey of needing to give up control and stop trying to hide the truth and then get bitten in the ass by truth, because Scorpio is about revealing the things under the surface that we're not sure all the time, until we figure it out, we're not sure what to do with. We're not sure how to deal with these motivations within us, or parts of us that look monstrous, or are egotistical, or are selfish, or are greedy, or are lusty. We're not sure what to, look, how to do with these intense parts of us that seem drunk or mad on power or have some kind of petty motivation that's not loving and love-based, that's not forward-looking and life-affirming. So he's learning about freedom and confinement. Square of the Nodes from Scorpio can say, especially Neptune, <laughs> I don't think I'm free. Now, one side note, I did an analysis um, of Adnan Syed in... Uh, and he's the subject of the first year of Serial, the first season a couple years ago. And he was accused of murdering his girlfriend and sent to prison. And so now in his 30s, this, this uh, documentary or radio producer was talking to him and did this, uh, I don't know, 10 or 13 part, 10 or 11 part uh, episode Serial uh, season. It's the most popular podcast on the planet. So I'm assuming a lot of you have heard of it. He has... Uranus in Scorpio, square the nodes. And one of the things I wanted to... I'm just going to see if I still have his chart and the data here and just look up um, 
really briefly if it's retrograde, because I think I think it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the things I want to impress upon you, you know, talking about Stephen Avery and then mentioning uh, this Adnan Syed, yeah, the his uh, Uranus in uh, Scorpio is retrograde, Adnan Syed. Uh, Syed, am I saying it right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so uh, I want to impress upon you that just because they're in prison doesn't mean they did it. But it doesn't mean they didn't do it, you know. Anyway, the the point here is this in this karmic analysis is to look at human behavior and to look at the emotional, the kinds of experiences that can imprint emotional depth that can cause us to behave things, you know, behave in certain ways later. But also the things that that create these intense, difficult experiences that create beliefs in us about who we are, who the world is what life is about. Each of them actually has South Node in Aquarius, square a retrograde outer planet in Scorpio. So, am I free? You know, am I powerful? You know, what is power? How do I deal with secrets? What do I do with the truth? This is a signature, these are both signatures actually for gossip and fear-mongering being just as damaging as actually having been found out to having, having uh, committed a crime. The rumor mill with Scorpio, we can be disempowered when a planet square the nodes in Scorpio, disempowered through uh, the revelation of secrets or the intimation of secrets. So back to Stephen Avery. This retrograde Neptune says, I need to know that I'm safe. I need to, I'm, I can basically find the divine through looking at all my shadow parts. I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. But I wouldn't also be surprised if he's got some karmic thing that draws to him the accusation, like being thrown in jail but, or when he was a younger person for 18 years for something he didn't do. Both of those things, like let's say doing it and not doing it, having committed a crime or, or not having committed it, each of those can end up with this kind of signature because if you did it, maybe a monster came out of you. Maybe you perceive something horrible came out. If you didn't do it, maybe you carry such fear that you could do it, that you kind of attract these circumstances to you. Now that said, also, in different lives, we also repeat things that happen to us in other lives. Guaranteed, in some other life, he is accused of a crime he did not commit and serves time for it or is killed for it or something. You know, vigilante justice or whatever. Punishment has to pay reparations, whatever, in some way. And in some other life, he commits a crime and he doesn't do it. Every single one of us, throughout the history of time, has done all manner of things to find out what it feels like, to enable survival, to have enough food to put on the table, to get back at an enemy. Every single one of us, across time, has done all manner of things. So to have a life where you have both of those things happen... Um, I know the way I'm talking, I'm assuming he did it, just because what I learned of the evidence in the part of the documentary I watched, it just looks really obvious. Um, but to have both of those scenarios play out in a life is not really uncommon, but to our, our eyes, we say, wow, what are the odds of that? It's not about odds, it's about vibrational resonance and things ripening, things needing to be experienced. So I, in uh, The Soul's Journey 1, I do a profile on the writer David Foster Wallace, 
and he was born uh, not that far in time from this guy, from Stephen Avery, and he also has Neptune and Scorpio square the nodes, and I talked about his relationship with depression and drugs, and then using, um, you know, prescribed medicines to counteract the depression, and then they didn't work anymore, and he eventually killed himself in his uh, mid-40s. With Neptune square the nodes, you're seeking a divine connection. It doesn't look like that with Stephen Avery, but he is looking for some kind of justice. He's looking for some kind of um, thing, so, you know, some some kind of indication that there is a bigger truth at play that will help him and support him. Um, but yeah, he's in prison serving a life sentence uh, for committing this crime, and the evidence is all stacked up against him. Um, the conspiracy theory that he and his family hold the was kind of paranoia, um, and that's about how the police and the prosecutors set him up for this and planted the evidence. Um, how they had his blood from before, and so they spilled it to make it look like he had done this crime or whatever. Like one, one, one of the details. Uh, but there was a preservative that would have been in it that was not in the blood they found, you know, in the victim's car kind of thing. So, so it's just all these kinds of little things like that that, that um, you know, I give the soul the benefit of the doubt, but it looks like the guy did it. I don't know. So Neptune retrograde square the nodes... How can I surrender to these difficult things that happen to me? Basically, this is happening. The first incarceration where he didn't do it, he was exonerated on DNA evidence years later. The first one happened for the same exact reason. How can I surrender to what's happening? How can I surrender to what is hard to experience? And now, for whatever reason, if he did this crime... You know, now he's serving this time, and the same question comes up. How can I surrender to this? People with planets in Scorpio don't want to surrender to anything. People with Neptune in Scorpio must. But people who have retrograde Neptune in Scorpio, it's going to be over 40% of people who have Neptune in Scorpio, by the way, because it's, on, uh, it's retrograde about five months every year. Um, you, you, they have experiences in many lives of surrendering to the wrong thing. And that's where this thing comes up. This is the bigger topic I wanted to bring up. And it is uh, the difference between surrender and resignation. This comes up a lot in intuitive skills development class that I used to teach. And now the, uh, the chakra course as a replacement, uh, part one is out now, covering the first three chakras. And it's all the, all the um, everything I can tell you essentially about health in the lower three chakras so you can get your foundation of your life in order. We think spiritual developments in the upper chakras, but you cannot do effective upper chakra work if you are distracted by that thing you can't forgive your parents for or whatever, or your self-esteem issues. You can't do good upper chakra work without the lower. So I've recorded an MP3 course and broken it into two parts, and the first part's available now. But surrender and resignation come up in the fifth chakra which will be part two, which will be later in the year, or the first of the first of 2017, something like that. Um, surrender is when you align your personal power with something bigger than you, recognizing that you don't know everything that's happening, and you don't know everything that needs to happen in order for 
health and evolution to play themselves out. You don't know all of the details. And so you surrender. Some people think of it as surrendering their will to a higher power. Uh, I think of it as truth and surrendering to a bigger picture. And in my case, it's that I'm vibrating things into existence. Let me, let me surrender to the fact that they're here. Let me surrender to the fact that everything that happens in my life happens for a reason, even if it's uncomfortable or I don't understand it. So that's my version of surrender, not to a higher power, but to the fact that my, my emanations of what I need to experience and what I need to resolve and confront and resolve, uh, they're vibrating more powerfully than my mind can control anything. Resignation is when you kind of throw your arms up in the air, when you give up, and it's learned helplessness. So with a planet, with Neptune, specifically in Scorpio, square the nodal axis, Stephen Avery is learning about that. When can I surrender versus when do I have to give up? That tension will affect your health in all ways. It will affect your ability to think straight and to have faith in life. And that's another part of what this is about. Stephen Avery's soul is saying, look, Stephen Avery, <laughs> me as a person, am I willing or are you willing to have faith that everything happens for a reason, even terrible things? Whether terrible things you do terrible things people say you do, or things you go to prison for that you didn't do. <laughs> All those things include invitations or, or represent invitations to evaluate and interface with the shadow. Sometimes people are wrongfully imprisoned. <laughs> sometimes they are. And sometimes they get away with murder. A lot of us have had different experiences from both sides of that, like from all four sides of that. You know, like doing something and getting away with it, not doing something and getting imprisoned for it, you know, all the different angles of that, or, or, or having our own murders not be, you know, seen, or accusing somebody of doing something horrible that they might not have done. We, we throughout millions of lives, we've experienced all manner of things to try to feel strong, safe, or powerful, or ensure survival. So with Stephen Avery, can he surrender to what is happening? Can he find some measure of faith that things are happening for a reason? Now, early in the documentary series on Netflix, they discuss his 70 IQ, which is not, is not very high, relatively speaking. It's certainly below <clears throat> what I think is normal. I believe it's below what I believe is normal. <laughs> so, um, I have a number, I have an idea in my head that, oh, you know, not everybody's at 70. Um, and reports from his teachers and school administrators that he was not very effective and could barely function in school. And it'll be for various reasons. You know, Saturn on the south node, you carry some heaviness and there's also some hard stuff in your family too. And it's just a guaranteed. Saturn on the south node means your life is saturated with Saturn. So you might not be able to think straight. Um, also he's a Cancer Sun, conjunct Ceres, Juno, and Vesta, so there's a lot of emotional stuff going on, 
uh, feeling things, right? Interpreting life through the lens of emotion. Uh, and then also moon and Libra. We don't know the birth time, but in, if it were 12 noon, it would be just about 14 Libra. And so definitely in Libra on that day. Uh, and that is the need for safety and security, the need to know I'm okay, that I'm accepted, that I'm loved. And so if anything, you know, out of the out of the, the realm of those things were, were happening when he was a kid, he wouldn't be able to function well in school anyway, regardless of his IQ. But anyway, it's a low IQ, and in some ways he seems not that with it, but he's got these strong family connections. Um, and they do feel like they're in it together. And that's Saturn on the south node too. Saturn can be glue and structure and a sense of permanence. Whether you feel you're stuck together or you're in it together, right? The negative or the positive, either way. Um, and so to a certain degree, because this Neptune is square the nodes, which does represent the arc of the family journey as well, um, everyone in his family has their faith being tested. Do they have faith? And, and there was one snippet that I heard where he was on the phone from jail or prison the second time. And he was talking with his, I believe his mother and, and his father on the phone. At least one of them, I think it was his mother. And he was basically saying, you know, they're out to get me and I can't win. And what's the point? And that's when I started thinking about the resignation versus surrender thing. And when we live a Neptunian story in a healthy way, we allow that things outside our control happen. And we assume, this is having faith, that things happen for a reason, even if we don't understand it, even if it's painful, even if we don't understand it right away. And in that intuitive skills course, and of course in the chakra course, part one, part of the goal is to give you tools to develop faith that life is actually working with you. Whatever's happened to you in your family system as a kid, whatever damaging thing happened to you in school or in your community, whatever thing happened... It could not have happened if it did not serve your soul's growth. So can you look at what's happened to you as part of the divine story? This is really this is why I broke the course up into two parts because you you can't do good spiritual work if you don't get in your body and heal the stuff from your childhood. Things that the things that happened were parts of you felt unsafe. You cannot do good spiritual work. And I would watch people in my class earnestly, you know, as we went into the upper chakras, earnestly be there and then still be dealing with lower chakra stuff. And I, I for years, I try, I thought this was about me becoming a better teacher. And I just realized the last couple of rounds of the class, it's not about how I'm teaching it. It's that these lower chakras need much, much, much more time in most of us. The vast majority of us get stuck on something in the lower chakras and it's hard or we resist seeing it as supporting our journey. We can't surrender to that abuse or that painful thing or that abandonment or neglect or deception or betrayal or whatever, manipulation. We can't surrender to that as serving our highest good. And so we can't actually get to the heart and the upper chakras because uh, we're stuck in resistance. So anyway, you know, we, we all have to look at resignation versus surrender every single one of us, things are happening outside your mind's conscious control. Things are happening because of your conscious and unconscious intentions. Look at what is happening in your life 
as reflecting your unconscious fears, pains, resentments, and, and uh, anger. Look at what's happening around you as reflecting your unconscious vibration and decide to change what you're vibrating. So Neptune, living with Neptune is recognizing this truth about, about vibrational resonance. There is a vast conspiracy of love between souls. Every other soul is doing something if interfacing with you and you're encountering this, these people. Every other soul is doing something to affect your growth, to effect and affect your growth, and you're doing the same for all other people you're connected to. They're showing you what you need to resolve to move into the present. You're showing them what they need to resolve to move into the present and not repeat the past. So that's what living with Neptune is like. So whatever it is that's happening with you or to you, it, you know, you can feel like a victim, feel like you're swept away by the current, or you can decide to have some measure of trust in life that your brain does not want to have, by the way. That's why it's hard, because your brain refuses this but decide to have some measure of faith or trust in life that things are happening in a way that fuels your evolution, that drives your growth, that either reflects to you the unhealthy, ungrounded nature of certain choices that you have made in the past, like the fruition of things that didn't work, to teach you how to make better choices, more self-interested, self-validation, self-care, self-loving, or that show you what choices you could make that you're afraid to make. Your entire life can be seen as a playground on which you are invited to evolve. And this Neptunian process is in learning to surrender and to stop being resigned. So you can't control every outcome. Yep, that's true. What does it mean about you? Your brain will say, then I didn't do it right, or life is unfair, or the deck is stacked, or it's impossible, or happiness is elusive, or other people get to have fun, whatever it is. But every single thing that's happening in your world serves your journey. Your soul is divine consciousness. Are you willing to give that viewpoint or that image a try? So I see... This um, I see a large part of Stephen Avery's journey centering on answering this question of Neptune and Scorpio retrograde square the square the nodes. Remember, he's coming from a Saturnian saturated consciousness, Saturn conjunct the South Node, and he's asked to adapt to Neptune. So that's an inherent tension. Saturnian people being asked to have faith. That's that's part of the challenge here with him. And the other detail I'll mention is uh, the Pluto at 8 Virgo, which is opposed by retro Jupiter and retro Chiron at 12 and 10 Pisces, respectively. And so the Pluto thing, empowerment or disempowerment, he is opposed by slippery, weird, wounded stuff. So the people who put him away the first time, who didn't uh, do it right, 
and it, you know it was revealed later that 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 mistakes were made and a lot of sloppiness happened. You know, stuff retrograde in Pisces opposing you is going to be sloppy. Those people represent this energy in him. Doesn't understand why this is happening. They're not clear. They're not thinking straight. They're not on the ball. And this injustice occurs. And then the next time around, he decides there's an injustice occurring when it's, you know, he's presenting that story as the victim and the person who's been wronged when all this evidence points, you know, points to him uh, very obviously as, as having done this. So um, that's the other kind of part of this is, is how can I be empowered in Virgo uh, when I'm opposed by people who don't know what they're doing? Opposing meaning blocked, confronted, or challenged. And as I listen to him talk, in midlife, after being released from prison and then being accused of this other thing, he's totally lying. There's a Neptune. He's afraid of the truth. Whether he did it or not, whether he murdered this woman or not, there is he is hiding because it's too intense to look at. Then there's this whole subplot about his nephew, a cousin, uh, a kid in high school who, whom he's related to, who lives, I think, next door or nearby, goes to the police and says, um, I came home from school one day and... Uh, you know, found her begging him for her life, and then he did all these terrible things, and he told me to rape her, and all this kind of... St and then that turns out to be false as well. And so there's even this weird making crap up that gets in his way, but at the core of it is this question of, can he tell the truth? What does it mean if he tells the truth? What does it mean to look who you really are, your shadow parts, in the eye. And there's a Neptune and Scorpio score of the nodes. Now, if you're sitting here saying, oh my god, I was born in uh, the spring or summer of 1962. I also have <laughs> Neptune square the nodes. Um, I'm not in, uh, implying anything about you, except there's a question that lingers for you. Can I surrender? Can I surrender? There are some people... Um, I think one of the Arquette sisters and, uh, what's that guy's name, Eddie Azard and David Foster Wallace, who were born uh, earlier in this year, I think in February, um, maybe January, February of 1962. And they have a pileup of planets on the south node in Aquarius, including Saturn, the ruler. And they all have Neptune and Scorpio square the nodes. Not all of them have it retrograde, but some of them do. And um, they're, they're intellectual people who are practical and maybe can tap into their inner genius and be innovative and need to be free, and they're being asked this question, are you disempowered or empowered through having faith, through surrendering? And if you surrender to something that doesn't work for you, you're going to be unhappy about it later. Does that mean you lose faith, or does that mean you can let yourself evolve into having faith by making better choices? So these people are going to have control issues in some form, to some degree, that at some age they're going to figure out how to work through it. But there's control issues. And this guy, Stephen Avery, is learning how to control scorpionic, deep impulses.
So I hope that this, uh, this uh, MP3 was helpful and useful. You can check out what I'm up to at tdjacobs.com. And uh, check out the Soul's Journey trilogy of books to, to get a, uh, a good grounding in how I do this karmic astrology. Uh, what I'm doing is essentially a third wave of evolutionary astrology. Um, essentially, we've, uh, Steve Forrest and Jeff Green have done some wonderful work uh, starting in the 80s. And their careers have you know unfolded and a lot of people have studied with each of them. And what I'm doing by checking in with the ascended master and doing the channeling of 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 what soul is and how it how we can see it in astrology charts and understand this multi-life multi-dimensional journey um this advances the conversation evolutionary astrology it's a third it's a third uh stream so to speak so i encourage you to uh, check that check those books out and also the chakra course which was recently released uh, the replacement for the intuitive skills development course to go through your chakras, really get to know the fears and pains, and transform your relationship with them so you can be healthy and happy, sane, grounded, have some security, sanity, and strength. That's all at tdjacobs.com. Take care of yourself. Thanks for playing.